Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. She's Jamel. I'm Michael. There is your 6 at 6 on this Monday night. Thank you. Follow me. There you go. Go that way. Thank you. Appreciate it. After the break, we'll cover a couple of disturbing images from Sunday, but we start with the continuation of a season-long trend of disappointing injury news concerning star players. For breaking the franchise single-season record for touchdown passes and leaving the fans of a franchise which hasn't experienced an NFL title or boasted a league MVP since 1960, heartbroken. But their Super Bowl dreams aren't broken with Nick Foles as a replacement. This is far from the Raiders losing Derek Carr to a broken leg and having to turn to Matt McGloin and Connor Cook. They weren't number three in offense or number one in scoring just because of Carson Wentz. Remember, they're also fourth in total defense and sixth in scoring D. So this feels more Jeff Hostetler-ish, Jamel. You know what I'm saying? You, I'm sure Philly fans appreciate that optimism. Nick, obviously, and- I hate it for Carson Wentz. I hate it for... Uh, from uh, the career the uh, or the season I guess that he's he's been having um, but at the same time it's it's been the next man up mentality and, and that's that's how we approach it this week I'm gonna lead this football team you know it falls more on my shoulders than it does these players so if there's ever an opportunity for me as a head football coach to, to rally the troops you know now now might be the time all right a couple of tweets for some guys going through some season ending injuries themselves Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt both tweeting out their support to Carson Wentz. Um, you know, you see their messages. Uh, again, they've been through it or are going through it currently. Uh, and so I'm sure they can empathize with this situation them and their fans are going through. Coley Harvey is in Philly. Coley, as I mentioned, I'm confident in the Eagles' chances with Nick Foles under center. <laughs> What's the confidence emanating from the Eagles locker room in that organization today? Oh, it's Sky. Hi. And, and I, I will preface that by saying uh, only Doug Peterson was here today. The players were, uh, it was an optional day uh, as they got back from the West Coast in the wee hours of, of, uh, of this morning. But, uh, but, but yes, the optimism is there. You know, in fact, even Nick Foles himself saying after the game yesterday that he is absolutely ready to lead this team and, and be the next man up, uh, so to speak. Now, this is a team that's dealt with injuries all throughout the year. Jason Peters, the, uh, the, the star tackle, uh, offensive tackle, was lost for the year earlier this season. Uh, Jordan Hicks, the linebacker, another player, Darren Sproles, also lost for the year. And so they've had these these other injuries that they've tried to rally around and rally through. And listening to Doug Peterson inside this building earlier today, he said that, yes, we're going to just stick to that same type of mentality. Next man up, we're going to make sure that Nick Foles is put in the right positions to uh, to succeed. And, uh, and he certainly believes that that's possible. Uh, there has been a question as to whether the Eagles might go out and get another quarterback now. Uh, Peter's addressed uh, Peterson addressed that by saying that no, that's not uh, uh, on the on the deck right now. That's not part of the playing cards for the Eagles at this point in time. So Colin Kaepernick is most likely not going to be an Eagle at, le- at least not yet. I could have told you that. Of course, if something were to happen down the line to, uh, to Foles, yeah, yeah, of I course. Mean, but if something were to happen to Nick Foles down the line, you know, we'll we'll see what happens yeah. with yeah, that regard. I, but I, you're I, right. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think I we all probably could have assumed that. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. You just you're just giving us the details in case you were curious. Coley Arvin from Philly. Thank you, man. I'm just I'm just giving a little extra color for you. Oh, no. Call Jonathan Moxon first. Uh, not surprisingly, Philly's eyes. To win it all, have taken a hit with the Wentz injury. Entering Week 14, Philly had a six to one, or had six to one odds to win the championship. Those are now all the way down to 12 to one, same as Atlanta, and behind Minnesota and New Orleans in the conference. The odds for a conference title have dropped from five to two. 
to seven and two. However, even with Nick Foles, Ryan Clark, the Eagles still have, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, a 93% chance to get the one seed in the NFC, 46% chance to make the Super Bowl, that's best in the NFC, and 25% chance to win the Super Bowl, also best in the NFC. The Vikings quietly suffered some offensive line injuries. I look at this team, arguably the most complete team in the NFC. Why can't they do what they have to do with Nick Foles and still get to Minneapolis, especially if you only got to play two games to get there? I don't have a reason why they can't. Uh, I really don't. I think the thing that Doug Peterson is going to have to do is not become baby Andy Reid, who is his coaching mentor, and decide to not run the ball. You, know, you go out, you get Jay Ajayi by the trade deadline. You have LeGarrette Blunt. You have Clement. Use these guys. These guys have to lead into the pass. It's not going to be the same thing where you can have Carson Wentz be the guy to come out, throw the ball, loosen things up, and then you run. You're going to have to do things a different way. So the playbook doesn't change, but the play calling and philosophy has to, and his defense has to get back to what they were doing, though, before the last two weeks because they've given up way too many points against the Seattle Seahawks and Los Angeles Rams. Well, I think it is helpful that you at least have an experienced backup in Nick Foles who's had some success yep. there in Philadelphia. So while it's not ideal to lose your star quarterback, at least you're going to an uh, option that isn't going to – It may not. you may not be – sort of unbeatable. Not they were right. totally unbeatable, but they were looking right. like a team that was, was destined, gonna be, was hey, man, destined to be no to doubt. be something great. The only person to stop Nick Foles is Jeff Fisher so far. <laughs> I'm about to tell you, you know, I he's mean, he's Jeff, pretty he's good. Jeff Fisherless, <laughs> Nick Foles, and we have he's seen not what Jeff Fisher coaching can do to a quarterback. Right, and we've seen what they can do without, <laughs> without Jeff Fisher as their, as their coach. You uh, got more hot takes left in you, right? I have a ton of them. All right, we'll All see right. you later. We got some more to come with you. All right, it's official today. Uh, the Yankees introduced reigning NL MVP John Carlos Stanton, who's just the third reigning MVP to change teams in the offseason. The other two, Barry Bonds and another name Yankees fans are familiar with, Alex Rodriguez. Now, here's Stanton on what it will be like going from Miami to New York. Uh, it'll be adjustment. Um, you know, the, uh, it's a, a lot of press, a lot of things going on, but um, at the same time, I uh, this is – this is what I've worked for. I've worked for to be uh, in a winning culture, a winning organization, and um, you know the, that that'll be secondary. The the media and all that. What what I'm focused on is just playing and, and being being better. You talked about how this part of why you accepted this trade is because you wanted to buy into the team. Talk about what you see in the Yankees. Uh, they're fighters. They're, they they know they know they can hang with the best of them, and uh, you know I, I want to be a part of that. I want to want to take them over the hump and see see where we can get this team. Who better than to have on a day like today <laughs> than Tex? Mark Teixeira, former Yankee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happened to be in the building. Yes, yeah. happened to be here. We all know about the home run potential, but what might people be overlooking as it relates to the impact of Stanton's acquisition, particularly on Aaron Judge? Yeah, two, two great points. Number one is that Aaron Judge was the man last year. He had all the media attention. He had all of the sponsors coming after him and all the fans coming after him. Now – He's got Giancarlo Stanton to take a little bit of pressure off him and have some fun. Mm. Number two, you have a guy like Stanton who is a very similar hitter. Two big guys, right-handed hitters, that are going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And I like these two guys hitting near each other in the order because they can talk back and forth. When a pitcher's out there attacking them, they can say, hey, what's this guy doing to you? You know, What did he do? And then after the games, they can also discuss their game plan for tomorrow. I think they're going to be great for each other. Yeah, they also could be two starting linebackers anywhere in the NFL. <laughs> the size is like no, but pretty to your first point, I was going to say maybe it's more Maris and Mantle on, on many levels when it comes to like almost like fire and ice type thing when it comes to personal. Yeah, and this is why they brought Aaron Boone in. They brought a guy like Aaron Boone in to say, hey, listen, guys, we're all part of this. We're going to you know make some sacrifices. Some guys are going to DH a little bit. Hey, Stanton, you might have
might have to play left. Judge, you might have to play left. But we're in it for a World Series, and that communication is going to be huge. All right. Appreciate your text. We'll hear more from you later as well. In a lengthy IG post, Stanton thanked the fans and the city of Miami while at the same time offering condolences to both. He said in part, I feel for you fans. You stuck with me as we've shared some roller coaster years. I've always tried to be professional as possible during the unprofessional circus times there. It says it's going to be lit in New York, no doubt about that. I wanted uh, us to go forward and, and have uh, an advance with the pitching staff. We, I, I thought our lineup was uh, legit and uh, we needed help with our pitchers and we needed to add rather than subtract. Um, and their, uh, the way they wanted to go was to subtract. So I, I let that be known. I didn't want to be a part of another rebuild, another losing season. I mean, you guys are the media. You, you've seen what has gone on down there. So no stamp of this is how things are going to be. It's a, it's a different direction every spring training. you got to learn something new every spring, a different manager every spring, every uh, middle of the season. So uh, that's mainly what I meant. I think the one thing that uh, you know, everyone needs to realize is this is an organization that has not been successful. They have not been in the playoffs since 2003. So if you haven't been winning, then it's time to make a change. And in order to make a change, there's going to have to be some moves. And uh, like I said, that you uh, alluded to, there may be some unpopular decisions at times. But every decision that we make as an organization is to try to put us in a better position. And, um, you know, we're, we're trying to fix something that is broken. Uh, my feelings on trading him to the Yankees, I had no feelings about trading him to the Yankees. We wanted to get the best deal. And like I said, contrary to popular belief, we were not stuck with this deal. This was the de- best deal out of the three for our our uh, our organization. It was it was the best deal for us. So in terms of trade, I know it's, it's gotten a lot of headlines, but um, you know my feelings are my feelings are to try to make the Mar- Miami Marlins organization better, and that is my number one priority. Dude had a no trade clause. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Buster only joining us now live from the winter meetings in Orlando. I'm not accustomed to seeing Derek Jeter criticized so heavily. I mean, in New York, his name is still all good and always will be. But around the league, across the nation, and certainly in Miami, he's already starting off as a hated individual in that city. So talk about the scrutiny that he's been placed under following this deal and how he's now being viewed uh, around Major League Baseball. Yeah, Jamel, whoever made this trade, whoever came in as the Marlins' new ownership group and decided to make this trade to deal with the debt was going to be criticized because, unlike what Derek said, the Marlins were completely boxed in. They have hundreds of million dollars of debt. The easiest way to free themselves of some of that is to move this contract that the previous ownership made, and Giancarlo Stanton uh, really controlled this entire process, yes, They talked to the Cardinals and the Giants, but as Stanton told reporters today, he told the Marlins ahead of time that he, uh, those were two of the teams he did not want to go to. Now, uh, in terms of how Derek is handling things on a day-to-day basis, absolutely there have been some questions raised about whether he should have had more consistent communication uh, with Stanton, how he handled the firing of Tony Perez and Andre Dawson, and even here at the winter meetings. This is like... The, the one time in the year when everybody in baseball comes to the winter meetings to do their business, Derek Jeter is the head of baseball operations for the Marlins. He's not here. That doesn't make any sense, especially in your first year of running the Marlins. You could come here and spend this time to evaluate your own people who he's getting to know. 
it's like a player showing not showing up to play a game to not have Derek Jeter here at the winter meetings, given his uh, title with the Marlins. All right, and as it relates to the Yankees, though, how many organizations are willing to go from saying, hey, we want to reset our tax penalties to, yeah, we'll eat all but $30 million <laughs> of a $295 million deal, plus give you prospects. All right, so Stanton's in New York. That's official. What's the next big move to come out of these winter meetings? Well, these teams that didn't land Giancarlo Stanton now have to react. I think you're going to see the St. Louis Cardinals make a deal with the Marlins perhaps for Marcel Azuna and perhaps Tampa Bay Rays with Evan Longoria and the San Francisco Giants. They're trying to go out and get a big hitter. Uh, they've had some conversations with the Pittsburgh Pirates about Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole is out on the market as well. Uh, the Yankees have had conversations with Pittsburgh and they have potentially a prospect match of if the Pirates want to do this deal. So the Pirates <laughs> could be at the center of conversations here at the winter meetings. Oh, yeah. More more Yankee uh, acquisitions. Just what we need. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you, Buster. Thank you. All right. The 6 at 6 rolls on. Coming up, we'll discuss the fallout from the Jag Seahawks game. But first, let's talk about the fallout from the most vicious hit, I think, probably of the weekend. It's an image that sticks with everybody. Tom Savage down on the ground with his hands visibly shaking. Now, per the concussion protocol, Savage was taken off the field but lasted three minutes before he returned and then was yanked for the yanked for good after one series. Now, this brought plenty of questions. Did the Texans see what most of us saw and still allow Savage to play? Bill O'Brien answered that earlier today. Figured that he got hit. Really didn't know that he got hit. There's 12 bodies around him. Um, you know, very, very difficult from the 50-yard line where I'm standing to see if he even got hit. With benefit of the video, which I do not have benefit of any video, there's no video on the sideline. All there are, are tablets. There's no video. There's nothing like that. With benefit of seeing the video, obviously, from my, my, my standpoint, the care for the player, I would have never let that player back in the game, and I don't believe that Jeff Kaplan would have allowed that player back in the game. I don't have benefit of the video. I did not see anything. All right, so earlier, Tom Savage tweeted his appreciation for all the support, said he's doing just fine, and uh, instead of Coach Bill O'Brien, quote, nobody cares more about his players uh, than OB. Lewis Riddick, why do we end up asking the same questions about either who's to blame or where did the protocol break down, whether it's Jacoby Brissett or this week is Tom Savage? It's the same questions over and over. Why can't we seem to get this yeah, right? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Mike. And really, it's, it's coming down to human error, plain and simple, because really the process is supposed to be very defined as far as the number of eyes, number one, that are on the field and looking out for these kinds of things. Two, even though Bill O'Brien doesn't have the benefit of video, there are others that do have the benefit of video the same way we did when we're watching it over there in the war room or you're watching it at home or wherever you're watching it. And you can, there are people who should be able to see that Tom Savage is on the ground and he's convulsing to some degree. I'm not a doctor, you're not a doctor, but that tells me this. He doesn't need to go in any 10 on the sideline. He needs it was to an to official those. standing right over He needs over to go into it. a locker room yeah. now. So it's not Bill O'Brien's issue. I don't, this is a human error issue. This is a human problem. This is not a protocol problem. Yeah. And they better find some other humans to start making these decisions because the ones that are making it, quite honestly, they need to be held accountable because they are in charge of taking care of the players. Right. That's what they're there for. It's not Bill O'Brien's job to be calling plays and active. Actually trying to weed through bodies and see whether or not he's in Yankees player because, on one, the field. because once he's told that the player's good, he's going to put his starting quarterback Absolutely. back in, even if it's Tom Savage. Because he's I'm making say- assumptions everybody did their job. That's so right. You know what it needs to be? Take it out of the, take, make the protocol so absolute, regardless of the devastation, devastating nature of the hit, 
and take them out for a determined period of time where they have to go in the locker room. If you're being, if once you're in the protocol, that protocol can't be a three-minute check in the tent right. and you're back That's in. It's got to be it's, you're it's out probably, for, I don't know, the quarter yeah. or the next series at least. You know, just like in college, you lose your helmet, you're off yeah, for a play. play. One of two things is going to happen. You're right. Either the people who are responsible for making these kind of errors are never going to be allowed to be on the, you know, in charge of this kind of thing again, or it's going to be just that. If anybody suspects you of having any kind of concussion, regardless of severity, you're off the field. You're going in the locker room, yep. and that's it. It's Period. not going to be going to this tent, pull this thing over your head, and right. pop out of it a minute later and Did go. You see the video? Did you see the video? Exactly. That's what it's going to no. be. And you know, if they're serious about player safety, it'll be one of those two things. Because I'll tell you, that'll get people's attention. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to trust the process when we saw what uh, what early in the season with Russell Wilson, him take the hit, and he was going like five seconds, yeah. and then he comes back. Well, out. he pulled the tent over himself and then took it off. And and took I'm it good. Off. I'm so out of here. It's still a lot to be worked out there. Speaking of the Seahawks, Adam Schefter reports that. No Seahawks will be suspended for their actions in the closing minutes of their 30-24 loss to Jacksonville. But the NFL is still reviewing the confrontation that took place on the field and away from it. Defensive linemen Sheldon Richardson and Quentin Jefferson were both ejected. But as Jefferson exited, he got into a confrontation with fans. Now someone uh, threw a plastic bottle at Jefferson who attempted to climb the wall to get into the stands. Not surprisingly, it was an emotional Seahawks locker room afterward. I'm out there playing, playing a game. And at the end of, end of the day, it's a game, and I'm a man. I'm not going to let somebody disrespect me like that. Going into the stands, do you think that was, that was the right call? Was you still I don't know. Back? Was it the right call for him to throw no, beer on me? Just a question about the game. He doesn't want to talk anymore. Move away from me. He doesn't want to talk anymore. He's emotional right now. Thanks, you, 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 Thanks win. Guys. you guys win. You guys win. Appreciate it. It's what you guys want to see. You want to see him act a certain way? Move out the way he's done. The man was disrespected. People threw his food on him. He's not an animal. He's a human being. All right, now here's a statement from the Jaguars, which was released today, uh, condemning the fan behavior during the incident for in- individuals through five objects from the stands. These objects included plastic cups with ice and liquid, a bag of popcorn, and a plastic bottle. In accordance with the Jaguars' fan code of conduct, these individuals are being identified and will be contacted. If they are Jaguars season ticket holders, they will immediately have their season ticket member privileges revoked indefinitely. Those purchasing single-game tickets will indefinitely lose the option to purchase tickets for future games through the Jaguars and our affiliates. In addition, each will be banned from attending Jaguars games in the future. Um, well, let's start with the first part of this, which is the, the fact that there were no disciplinary action for what happened on the field, for Lewis. A change. But I'm actually very surprised at <laughs> yeah. that because, look, I mean, we've all given Michael Bennett a lot of credit for what he's done socially, the voice that he is, and he's a great player. But he did some dirty things, and, sure. I, and they're right on film. We can all see him. That's kind of what, what started all of this. So I'm pretty surprised, especially given the punishment they just handed Rob Gronkowski for what he did, that they didn't do something here. What yeah. could possibly be the explanation yeah, for that? That's a, you know, the subjective nature of how they hand out punishment is very frustrating and it's irritating, and I talked about that last week. Look, number, there's two parts to this issue here with Michael Bennett, and I didn't address it clearly enough on NFL Live earlier today. Him trying to swipe at the ball at the snap of the play within the course of the football play, look – it's, it's an unspoken rule that you are supposed to just go ahead and wave the white flag when people are trying to kneel, but it's not a rule that you can't try and get after the ball. We've okay? seen teams do this. That's right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's number one. So everybody's going to fall on different sides of it. You know, yeah. there's offensive linemen are going to go, well, next time I'm going to come off the ball. Well, fine, go ahead. All right, that's fine. But here's the, here's the issue. When you see it as the tape continues to roll, and Michael then is trying to roll on the back of the offensive lineman's legs, that's where it crosses the line. And, look, I've said this consistently, just like with Gronk. 
Whatever happens within the course of a normal football play, look, I'm all for the viciousness of the game then. I asked no, you know, I asked for no sympathy. I gave none when I played. So I, I get that part of it. But rolling on the back of someone's legs like that, I'm, I am, I, no, I am surprised about that. I am surprised that there wasn't um, a stiffer punishment handed down. Because really, really at the end of the day, look, players don't like people dipping in their pocket, but they really hate when the stage is taken away. Because that's what everybody's, everybody out there is a performer to some degree. And number two, the league does have an image problem, and then they're starting to have a credibility problem with players and with some fans when the punishment is very inconsistent for stuff like this, yeah. stuff that happens outside the normal course of action. Michael's better than that. Well, especially when you threaten somebody's livelihood, you right. deserve to take a seat. Right. But yeah. I'm pleasantly surprised they didn't discipline Jefferson. For Me once, too. Right. I mean, Me implicitly too. sided with the player who was in this case provoked. Should yeah. he have gone into the stands? Could it have been a malice in the palace? We, no, he shouldn't have done it. Right. But somebody provoked him in a way that's out of bounds. Yeah, look, he, he, he should have gone ahead and walked on in the tunnel the first time. That, that's what I would advise him to do. Just right. go. Because you know you're emotional. You like just go, man. You would have done in that situation. But, but I probably hey, wouldn't have. Yeah. After, after what just happened on oh, the field. Right. I mean, you, 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 you are, yeah. I mean, you are amped up. Right. Right. Now, if you come back and start jawing at somebody, okay, look, it's a bad look, but I get it. Then they threw another bottle. And the, the, the second time, it looked like somebody threw a bottle that came very close to hitting him in the face. It's not what you need to do. The players always have to take the high road. But as far as the, as far as the fans are concerned, you should never be allowed that to that stadium again. That ticket doesn't you to do what you want to yeah, those players. That's right. Thank you, Thanks, Lewis. Appreciate it. All right, with apologies to Carson Wentz, today's top story is the game's number one home run hitter having a new home in the nation's top media market and in the heart of the lineup of one of the marquee franchises, not just in the game, but in all the sports. They were already talking about a new Yankee dynasty in the near future before swinging a deal for Giancarlo Stanton and his 59 home runs. You might say that timetable has been accelerated just a tad. Giancarlo Stanton led the major leagues in home runs last year with 59. Aaron Judge, a tremendous home run. Aaron Judge led the American League with 52. Nobody else was close to those two benchmarks. And now that the Yankees have a blockbuster deal with the Marlins, Judge and Stanton will loom in the same lineup, probably hitting back-to-back and creating one of the more fearsome hitting duos in baseball history. For the Yankees, a modern-day version of the Eminem boys, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. Stanton is six foot six and two hundred and fifty pounds. Judge, six foot seven, two hundred and eighty-two pounds. And they don't hit baseballs; they launch them. Oh my! Put it to orbit. Way out of here. Where's that gonna land? Of the twelve hardest-hit baseballs in 2017. As measured by exit velocity, Judge had seven, and Stanton had four. They met for the first time at last summer's home run derby, and then baseball's heavyweights club baseballs to places almost nobody else can reach, a preview of what's to come. And now opposing managers and pitchers will often face the choice, a nightmarish choice. Do you want to pitch the Judge, or do you want to pitch to Stanton? Good luck with that. All right, with the addition of John Carlos Stanton, next year's Yankees will be just the fourth team in MLB history to have the reigning AL and NL home run leaders on the same team. The last to do it was the 75 Phillies who added Dick Allen to go with Mike Schmidt. The Yankees have done it once before back in 1949. For more, let's send it over to baseball tonight.
Thank you, Jamal. And, of course, when A-Rod came over to the Yankees, they had uh, Jason Giambi at 41 home runs. So that combination felt pretty lethal. Tim Kirchin is here, and so is Mark Teixeira. So they just sort of set it up here. you got to deal with pick your poison. you got to deal with Stanton and or Judge. But the truth is there's a lot more to that lineup. Not asking you to devise your lineup, but, my goodness, the idea that the this is like nightmares for everybody who's not a Yankee fan. Stanton's now a Yankee? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of unfair for the rest of the league's pitching staffs. You know, you had a team that was one of the best offenses in all of baseball, got even better. And, you know, for me, this lineup, you can kind of put them in a hat, shake them up, and pick them out, and it's going to be a good lineup. That's how much depth they have right now. 241 homers led the major leagues last year, and then they add a guy who hit 59 homers. Our pal John Fisher looked up 46% of the dates last year on the calendar. A home run was hit by either Stanton or Judge. Like every other day, it almost averaged out, and now they're going to be together in the same lineup. The three strongest hitters I've ever seen in my life as far as imposing size are Frank Howard, Judge and Stanton. And now two of them are going to play next to each other. And as far as how you look in a uniform, the two most impressive-looking baseball players I've ever seen are Judge and Stanton. And they're going to be playing next to each other. We've seen a lot of guys who look good in the uniform, and then there are those who produce. These two have certainly produced, and they're still very young. All right, you play Aaron Boone. Give me the lineup. This is fun. If you're Aaron Boone, this is a lot of fun. But I still like Brett Gardner leading off. He's that kind of pesky speed guy at the top of the lineup. Giancarlo Stanton bats number two for me. I want to get him as many at-bats as possible and really make that pitcher uncomfortable right from the get-go. I need to put in a lefty in there in between Stanton and Judge. So Didi Gregorius bats third. He's a really good middle-of-the-order hitter. He's getting better. And at Yankee Stadium, especially that left-handed bat plays. Aaron Judge bats fourth for me. Like I said, you know, getting Stanton and Judge a little bit apart is is pretty good. Gary Sanchez, one of the best hitters in all of baseball, is hitting fifth on this team. And to give him a little bit of left-handed support, again, breaking up those righties, Greg Bird. Now, if Greg Bird stays healthy, he's going to hit 30 home runs. So you have Stanton, Gregorius, Judge, Sanchez, and Bird that can all hit 30 to 50 home runs. And then the seven through nine, who cares? Right. It, it doesn't matter who you throw out there because one through six is going to score but so there much. There are a lot of cautionary tales here. Remember Terry Francona was handed Carl Crawford the lineup, how are you going to do it? And they ended up having a really bad season. Right. Everything points to the Yankees being a great power lineup, but that, that slider down in a way changes a whole lot of things. What I want, I just want to see Judge, Stanton, and Sanchez hitting two, three, four in the order, because I'm not sure I've ever seen three players with that kind of raw power in the same lineup at the same time. Raw power, and it's really going to be fun to watch. Not only that, batting practice will be fun to watch. In fact, batting practice on certain days may be more fun than the games. Baseball tonight, 7 Eastern, ESPN2. Patriots looking to extend their league record by clinching their ninth straight division title while establishing a league mark with an eighth consecutive 11-win season. Coincidentally, as of this afternoon, New England was an 11-point road favorite despite not having Brady's favorite target when it's time to score touchdowns, that is. Favorite guy's the open guy. That's Rob Gronkowski. All right, now playing in Miami has been Tom Brady's kryptonite, believe it or not. He has just a 7-8 and eight career record in road starts against the Dolphins compared to a 14-1 and one mark in Foxborough against the Fish. Brady's won just one of his last four road starts against Miami. Now here's Lisa Salters with more. 
Hey, Jamel. Hey, Michael. Well, Tom Brady set out a day of practice this week, as he has the last few weeks. But he told us last night there is no real concern or problem with his right Achilles, although he said it is a bit irritated and continues to be a source of frustration for him. But other than being a nuisance, he told us the Achilles is good to go and that his body actually feels better now at 40 than it did when he was 25. And his play on the field this season certainly backs that up. With 47 passing yards tonight, Brady will pass Warren Moon for the most yardage in a season by a quarterback in his 40s. And his 55-10 record in December is the most wins for a quarterback of any age in any month. But there is one brass ring that no 40-year-old quarterback has ever been able to grab, and that, of course, is a Super Bowl ring. Brady could take a step towards stiff-arming father time tonight on that as well. A Patriots win would clinch their record ninth consecutive AFC East title. Mm, all right. Oh, see Lisa standing there? Oh, done. <laughs> <laughs> Entering week 14, Carson Wentz had the second best odds to win MVP, only behind Tom Brady. And not only is Wentz now done for the year, but we also saw Russell Wilson and Drew Brees take losses this week, potentially hurting their MVP chances. Now, Ryan Clark back with us now. Look, to me, Tom Brady, he's never not had the lead this season, right? So right. if we want to, we want to argue now about an MVP race about second place, <laughs> or is the worst? Can we, can oh, we talk, can we talk about it. second place and climbing though? Okay. Can we talk about second place and climbing? Second place and could take over first next week. Ooh, t- do no. tell us against the Patriots. Against the Patriots, mm. number eighty-four from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Antonio Brown. Really? And I, and I know that doesn't happen. It's a it's a it's a oh, quarterback. Never won it. Yeah, it, it's a quarterback oh, award. A running back. Right, but if you watch what Antonio Brown is doing, when you know he's getting the ball, yep. he's going to be the target, and he just makes play after play after play, and. Even though he gets these yards and bends his quarterback, Ben don't look as good as Antonio looks right now in the way he's playing. Russell Wilson takes a step back with three interceptions and a loss. Antonio moves up into that spot. Carson Wentz gets hurt. He goes out, has a big game against the Patriots next week, and they beat him. Especially the way that Belichick tries to take away what you do best. Right. Like your primary option. It's going to be easier said than done again. Oh, 100%. But you're right. Like, you know, look, if a receiver's ever going to do it, it's him. But with Brady, though, like you said, always been the front runner, even though some people, which might have included you, tried to say he was done. Believe it or not, it's kind of almost like a feel-good story to Brady, of all people. Even though a lot of people are sick of him winning it, sick of the Patriots, the, the way they started the season. You feel good? No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying you have so many people putting him out to pasture. You have so many people saying he was done. But he's the old guy, the oldie, but still just as goody, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, and now, I feel good about it, though, Michael. <laughs> I, did I call you a homer when you picked Antonio Brown to finish? When you, when you finch straddled and said it's Brady, but it might be Antonio Brown next week? No, I we, didn't say nothing about you. I thought, I thought we all agreed it was Brady. And but then, then you said, started, but here's my take on Antonio another, Brown. Start another conversation. Okay. I'm just entertained right. by this. So I'm ahead. just trying to Keep figure going. out why would we saying. ever feel good about anything that happens in New England. I'm, you can let it go, Ryan. You have it all. You know what? I have no hate for him. Who thought Tom Brady was done. Let me talk about a lot of people. Let me talk about a sport that you know something about, basketball. Right, let me talk about that. LeBron might get MVP this year, even though LeBron, there has been fatigue with LeBron, and LeBron is deserving of MVP every so single well, year. Though. But the way he played in the finals mm-hmm. and the way he's That's playing so now, well. doesn't it feel like people want to right or wrong and give it to the best player in the world? Likewise with Tom Brady, even though he's the GOAT and could be MVP any year, it feels like there's also the corresponding narrative you need to cast the vote, Jamel, mm-hmm. as it relates to Brady, which is, oh, look at him defying father time. Yeah, look at him dealing with all the people around he's, him. He's old. 
<laughs> That's the narrative. And then people in September were like looking at him falling off the cliff, and then they go trade Garoppolo because he's still just that good. That's all I'm saying. No, I, I Does that hear make you. sense? No, that makes sense. He, he doesn't seem to get, you know. <laughs> that, that makes, I think the trigger word for him was feel good and Patriots in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. Almost like, like Yankees and good for baseball. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. kind of like the Patriots have enough nice things. Do they really need like the Steelers ain't ever been good. The Steelers are <laughs> underdog or something. <laughs> No, I mean, look, I have been one of those people who throughout many years have railed on this award, has has single-handedly become a quarterback's Mm -hmm. award. I mean, there's a part of me that, yeah, just for the breakup of it, to see Antonio Brown, like, really be a factor in this conversation. But I just don't think he will be, even if they do win next week. Look, Tom Brady, I think the way that he's performed all season, this has got to be a body of work. Not that Antonio Brown hasn't had it. I think when you talk about age, now you talk about the fact that he's he's missed – uh, or will miss Rob Gronkowski this game. And I know he's played and performed well without Gronk. Then you look at how much their defense struggled and how he kind of carried them through that until they got their stuff together. So it's just he's just been so consistent all no, season. Absolutely. Players have come in and out. Like Russell Wilson, he didn't get off to the greatest start either. And then he started balling. And right. then, you know what I'm saying? He's no, been the guy I, I all feel, season. I feel that way about Tom, too. I've talked about how the reason Tom doesn't win it all the time is like LeBron, is like Michael Jordan. You just want to give it to the dude that had the second best season just so you don't have to <laughs> give it, it to him. Story. Right, yeah, right. just so you don't have to give it to him. The story about him being old, I just never bought into it because I ain't seen the dude slip none. You understand what I'm saying? Until I, until I see him I wasn't slip. talking to you when I said yeah, that. I was yeah. talking to people right, that didn't know Until I see him about. slip. But I do think what Antonio has been able to do at a position that's oh, yeah. so dependent right. on, on the other people. Else, yeah. He doesn't have the Julio Jones stuff. Mm. Right? Like, 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 freakish, right. If, if Antonio walked by us, we'd be like, oh, look at that little dude. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? If we watched him run a 40, we'd be like, that was pretty regular. Right. But then when you watch him play, he dominates, dude. And I think that's really impressive. It'd also be fun to see him come full circle and win it in the same season where, remember, he, you know, knocked over the, the Gatorade cooler. Yeah, absolutely. Selfish guy, and then he turned out to be most valuable. And I did throw it to him 18 times a game. You know what? With all due respect to our fellow colleagues, most valuable analyst right there. God, this is why I feel with you guys, man. Look at that. Hug it out. All right. Now, Philly fans, of course, not surprisingly, they aren't handling the Carson Wentz injury well. For example, Chris. I'm, I'm, I'm like really hurt, man. Chris, you're blaming me for what happened. No, I'm, but you know what? I'm just tired of standing. Chris, you there? Yeah, I'm here. He's crying. Why? Why do we get hurt all the time? I don't know the answer to it, Chris. That's why I just. What is this? We why are you laughing? Permission that's to, real. Permission to laugh? No, you can't laugh. That's real. That's real. Really? Like this man a grown man cried over. Come on, man. Hey, man. He, he, saw, he thought he saw his dreams go up in smoke. <laughs> I get it. It's a tough time in Philly. I understand. That's the problem. Why are you assigning these gender roles as if this man can't be in touch? No, with I would say that about anybody. Um, Cam Newton, 75 yards in the round. Right it is 62 on this play alone, which set up Jonathan Stewart for the game-winning TD in his third score of the day. But let's peep this outfit. The better important is the reason why he wore it. I was reading a, a GQ magazine, and one of my favorite artists is because he is, you know, uh, put Atlanta on the map, uh, Andre 3000. He had like a, a, a brimless hat. I was like, man, I want that. I, you know, I ain't never seen nobody. You know, I, I look in NBA, NFL, baseball. Ain't nobody seen, seen a brimless hat. So I wanted to put the first one, you know, behind the scenes with the brimless hat. So you've seen it here first, Cam Newton, brimless hat. Panthers definitely a threat in the NFC. Not on more important matters. 
Three stacks. That's what I'm saying. Lock top five MC. Top three for me. I got that GQ article bookmarked. It, w- it was a great, yeah, a great piece. I got it bookmarked. See, the top- I'm not even one of the people that need him to be more prolific. Or, or I was going to say the nah. top five is only a problem because the solo project factor in this. All right. When he blessed but it's your top five. It's your top five. Exactly. It's my your top. favorite, right? I'm just saying he wouldn't make my five because I need a little more. Even though I love him. I hear you. But that was a great tribute to to Andre 3000. So, LiAngelo and LaMelo Ball, they are playing in Lithuania. They have signed. The L combination. You think think alliteration had something to do with? Triple L. See, I I can see what they did there. Anyway. Could have gone to a country that started with B. That's that's the case. (laughs) They're on brand. That's true. Uh, The franchise has hopes that the balls, including the bar, could be a marketing boom for this fledgling. Franchise. Is that outside those pop-up shops where people stepped in? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. About right. yeah. <laughs> All right, Jeff Goodman joins us to tell us more about this situation. Uh, what can you tell us about where the Brawl Brothers are going? Prienu Vitotas. Good that job. Is the name, I'm told that's the correct pronunciation. How about that? I nailed it. And uh, I could be doing sideline. Uh, over there in probably a month or so because that's when they're supposed to go over. Early January, they've signed a a one-year deal or probably more of a six-month deal. And the bad news is that the coach doesn't speak English. That may actually be the good news for the coach in terms of dealing with LeVar Ball. Uh, However, the good news is it's an unorthodox team. I'm told by somebody who played in Lithuania for a long time, they like to shoot a lot of threes. They play guys out of position. They don't really guard. So he felt like this would be the perfect fit for Leangelo and LaMelo because uh, they'll get some playing time. LeVar's big thing was playing them together. And and they're not going to make a lot of money over there, but they should get a chance to play together if they do play over there. And the source I spoke to said it's probably a 50-50 shot if they ever even end up over there. And if they do, the over-under, according to him, how long they'd make it, maybe a month. Uh, if we dispatch you over there, that'd be like you getting a Siberia assignment, right? <laughs> Hopefully you don't have to go with them. Pre-appreciate it, Jeff. I don't need that one. Yeah. All right. We had a good day. All right, it's a good day for Tigers fans uh, because finally, finally, Jack Morris and Alan Trammell were elected to the Hall of Fame by its Modern Era Committee yesterday. They played 13 seasons alongside each other and brought Detroit a World Series in 1984. They'll be enshrined together on July 29th. Once Lou Whitaker is in, all will be right with the world. I heard that uh, Trammell found out in the airport. <laughs> Hopefully he didn't get on the flight. Right. Took a detour. Hey, it's a good day for baseball. Mm. Because Giancarlo Stanton is a Yankee, not being wasted away in Miami. But regardless of what the competition and people like Boston, the Boston Red Sox fans feel, when the evil empire is that much eviler, that's a great thing for the game. Is it? It, it is. It is. Mixed emotions about that. No, you know it, it is great? good for New York. You know, it's great for it's great for the game. It really is. You know what's great right now? It's the Baseball Tonight crew breaking it down live from the winter meetings. That's next. Because that's it for the six. We will see you tomorrow over on E1. That's ESPN for people that don't, you know, know how we speak around here. <laughs>